Welcome to Studio Z, a podcast of empowerment. I'm your host, Melissa Marvel. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to Studio Z. We have a returning guest, Gordon Holmes, who is a certified financial planner. And today we're going to continue the series uh, with regard to special care. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of special needs trust, uh, providing for lifetime care and a quality of life. Gordon, welcome back to Studio Z. Thank, thank you, Melissa. Glad to be here. It's good to see you again. I, like we were talking just before we got on the recording was uh, you can't wait to see you in person and move beyond the pandemic uh, COVID dis- social distancing. But anywho, we'll just get started. And I'd just like to ask you, you know, let's just dive in because it's a, it's a big topic. It's an important topic. So Gordon, explain to us what is special care? Special Care is a program sponsored by Mass Mutual, the large insurance and financial firm. And um, Mass Mutual uh, invites selected advisors such as myself to participate in the program when we have either a personal and or um, strong interest professionally uh, to assist um, our respective special needs communities with planning issues that usually focus on legal, financial, and uh, government benefits um, issues or categories. Um, and so I'm one of about 300 um, highly trained advisors across the country serving in our respective special needs communities, um, helping. There's a, a lot of education that goes on, like today's podcast um, and workshops uh, that uh, I do for a variety of both schools and nonprofits. And so the objective is to um, educate, empower, and advocate uh, for families that have a member with special needs um, to um, help help them plan plan for the plan for the future. Um, many of the advisors in the program have a family member such as myself. Uh, I have a son with special needs. Um, and so they uh, both have professional and personal interest in, in being involved, Melissa. So something I'm very passionate about, very thankful for the opportunity to help families and, and to um, be a part of your program. Yes. And, and you know, again, Studio Z, we wanted to bring this about so that we could get this information out there because it's vital and so many families uh, may not be aware of it. And so today, you know, we're going to we're going to dive in with your expertise and just talk about the the, the comprehensive planning that's involved with that. And kind of it's going to be a higher level conversation in the sense that I want you to share with them kind of the, the bullet points. But after the fact, you know, once we go through this, they can contact you directly and pursue additional questions and answer sessions for you or, or, or attend one of your full on webinars regarding the subject matter. But with that, Gordon, we've got 10 comprehensive life care planning steps. Do you want to share a couple of those with us? And Well, so processes are important because that um, helps to know uh, when we're beginning a planning process and when we uh, feel confident that the planning process is complete. But um, when it comes to special needs planning and planning for a loved one that has special needs, um, one of the issues that we spend time on is trying to make certain that all supports and helps that are available uh, are in place uh, to be support, to be supportive. So 
this can be assisting a consumer or a family with social security issues. So I was on a Zoom call uh, just earlier this morning with the family and we were going over the differences between SSI and SSDI and trying to make certain that um, the uh, maximum benefits available uh, were, you know, were in play, uh, this type of thing. Or in some cases, it's um, uh, Medicaid or Medicaid waiver services and what's available and where we're at. And um, Sometimes people are thinking about um, moving across the river from Indiana to Kentucky or vice versa and are not aware of the implications of that. So, um, so certainly accessing, uh, advocating, and keeping government benefits in place is is an important step. Um, once some of these benefits are in place, then uh, focus usually shifts to not only utilizing those benefits, but how do we maintain eligibility for them? Correct. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes gravity will actually pull a person uh, almost naturally away from eligibility. And so sometimes it's not something that someone did, but maybe even a lack of action um, uh, causes them to uh, to lose eligibility. Um, so I was uh, talking to someone earlier today, and uh, their adult child with special needs was uh, setting up a life insurance policy mm-hmm. for the, for themselves. Uh-huh. And um, so they um, they said, so well, you know, so he's uh, setting up his life insurance, and that way, when something happens to him, there'll be funds to take care of burial, et cetera. And the thought never occurred to them that Medicaid might have a, a significant interest in life insurance that uh, that he was setting up for himself. So, and so, you know, it's it's just very natural functions, getting life insurance. But um, again, it's the implications uh, that it has on, on government benefits. And so, again, a lot of education goes into this as well as running interference to keep people out of harm's way, but keeping these benefits in place because they're, they're worth, um, in most cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of an individual with a disability or special needs. And, and so we want to hang on to them. And it isn't just, you know, while everyone is here, but oftentimes when something happens to the parents, and of course there's an interest in resources rolling downhill to the children. And when resources run downhill to an individual that has disability or special needs, then we're sometimes in resource pro- uh, trouble because with a $2,000 maximum for maintaining eligibility for Medicaid, Medicaid waiver services, as well as SSI, uh, one does not have to be the beneficiary on, on much of a life insurance policy that the parents hold or leftover monies from an IRA uh, to really uh, create, create an issue and maintaining eligibility for these benefits. So so part of this is, of course, getting family to be open to stepping up and trying to be helpful when something happens to the parents. And so the planning process is making the most of today, but trying to make sure that the future is, is, is smooth um, so that that family member or members that are willing to help out don't, in essence, inherit a nightmare. Right. I mean... The whole process is meaning the benefits, the life insurance, all of that. It's all instruments to be very helpful to the family. But because it is many avenues of regulation come into that for purposes of planning, that it's very helpful to have an individual such as yourself with those specific, with those specific skills that can help the families walk through that process and to set it up well. 
Um, because it is, to your point, that windfall, if something were to happen, it could throw off all of the remaining benefits or to your point earlier about the life insurance. Those are very, very specific uh, concerns that you can help others avoid uh, the, the downside of, of not proper planning. So um, what, what other um, steps or uh, additional reasons do you feel that families should be aware of and, and be willing to step up to the planning process? Right. Well, teaming uh, is an important part of the planning process. And so while as a financial planner, I uh, envision myself as something of an orchestra conductor of the different elements of the planning process, um, most often we team with someone from the legal side of things. And uh, I'm very, very blessed that uh, over the 20 plus years that I've been focused um, and committed, passionate about special needs planning, um, I've cultivated um, relationships with and have uh, an informal network of special needs attorneys um, throughout Kentucky and even uh, Indiana as well, because I have offices in Lexington, in Louisville, and Indianapolis. And so my team and I, um, our focus uh, is certainly both both states. And then, of course, I have um, my complement uh, across the country, you know, in the special care program. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, we have attorneys in Lexington, Louisville, um, New Albany, and Evansville um, are, are the um, hotspots, so to speak, in Kentucky or closest to Kentucky. And so we, we team with attorneys to help with everything from estate planning, creating wills, um, drafting and putting in place uh, a special needs trust, dealing with guardianship issues mm -hmm. or alternatives to guardianship. Also, in some cases, we need to undo guardianship. So sometimes it's putting in place, sometimes it's, um, it's undoing guardianship. Mm -hmm. um, also, there are um, frequent appeals to government benefit decisions or issues. Mm -hmm. And this can be related to Social Security. It can be related to Medicaid. Um, and so we're, we're very thankful uh, for the uh, strategic alliances we have with uh, individuals in the legal community to help with the legal side. So, so teaming is really an important part. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes there are tax issues that come up. Parents want to know if, um, if they're charging their uh, adult child rent, uh, as an example, as a part of the SSI component. Do they need to declare that as income? Um, and then in some cases, it's needing to file a, a 1041, that is a, a tax return uh, for a special needs trust. Um, and so uh, we also have an informal network of accountants, CPAs, that can assist with tax issues uh, as, as needed. And then um, also nonprofits, such as um, uh, your Zoom group and so forth. Um, and so, like I said earlier, kind of the orchestra conductor aspect of things. So people come with all kinds of, of issues and questions and certainly helping them get connected mm -hmm. and uh, finding a way forward to the future is, is critical. And, and that's, that's the cause that we champion. So I, I think I couldn't agree more about teaming. I think that's essential to make sure that it's a holistic view that you've got all the uh, 
perspectives looking at the regulations, the, the law, the legal, the financial, uh, the family planning, et cetera, for both the family and the individual that we're looking to uh, make sure that, sure that they are taken care of. But what are, what are the triggers from your perspective? Like who should uh, look to establish a special, a special needs trust uh, utilizing your team network, your team approach? Right. So um, the need to step, the need to do special needs planning, and as a part of that, to set up a special needs trust, is born out of love and concern for someone. Mm-hmm. So if you're asking the question to just yourself or to others, you know, um, how is this going to work when I'm no longer here? Um, how is their quality of life going to be when? Um, when I'm not on hand to, so to speak, pick up the slack, make up the difference to pay for the extras in life because as we have discussed before, uh, government benefits primarily focus on food, shelter, and healthcare. Um, And while those are necessary and essential and we're very thankful uh, for our government agencies and government benefits and services, the focus leaves, that focus leaves to families uh, the opportunity to focus on quality of life issues. Mm-hmm. So with the government helping with food, shelter, and health care, then that is designed to free up families so that family resources can focus on basically everything else. And so, uh, Melissa, often I call special needs trust, in essence, the everything else, because sometimes families will ask, well, with, you know, Medicaid or possibly Medicaid and Medicare taking care of health care and with a monthly stipend for food and shelter, what what else could they possibly want? Mm-hmm. And so often it's, it's, it's the everything else and that everything else varies person to person, certainly, right. but it is activities, it's going places, it's doing things, it is a life of meaning. It's and, the fulfillment of their life and their journey mm-hmm. and that extracurricular component. Right. Horseback riding, going to sporting events, um, a, a bit of travel when uh, COVID lifts and we can get out and, and get going. It's, right. going to the, it's going to the park. It's, um, you know, just deciding, gosh, I, I need a new set of clothes or, or pajamas. And, and it's uh, celebrating birthdays and holidays and Christmas. And, um, I mean, it's things to look forward to. Right. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. None of us looks forward to food, shelter, and health care. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree. It's one of those things. And, and it's no fun to, to go to the store and buy things that, you know, that you that are necessities, but nobody realizes that you have new necessities because you know you can't appreciate them quite the same. <laughs> but, so that's why I say it's the, it's the it's everything else. Everything else, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and that everything else double, doubles life expectancy, uh, and I believe that sincerely. Yes. The everything else, the reason to live, having a life of meaning, being important to others, others being important to you, and this type of thing. Uh, I, I think it's in large part why we have seen the life expectancy of individuals with special needs explode in recent decades. It is the ability to look forward to something exciting that keeps the hope and the continuum, you know, looking forward to something that keeps it all going. And it's very, very important. And yes, I mean, it's vital that 
that we can do as much as possible to make sure that that is there and available for them uh, should they need it if something were right. to happen. So, right. that, so back to your question, yes. mm-hmm. for special needs, yeah, for special needs trust, what what does the special needs trust do, or how does the special needs trust relate to all of what we just discussed? And the answer is much of what we discussed is not free. Being able to go and do, there's a price tag associated with it. And if an individual with special needs or disability has a funded special needs trust, then that's where the resources um, can can sit to pay for um, um, all the things that they want to do and go and, uh, and, and this type of thing. So it holds the resource. And the reality is, is the resources in most cases need to be held by an entity other than the individual with special needs because if they're holding it, the government backs off in terms of being helpful uh, well, that, to them. That leads me to that question, like, so how does it work? How, how does a special needs trust work specifically? Well, okay, great question. <laughs> there, there are two, two primary types of special needs trust from the standpoint there's pool trust, which is where one plugs into um, an organization or nonprofit, such as Life Plans of Kentucky, and then a, a deposit is made into uh, an account created in that pool of trust, meaning you're just one account of, of many, okay. that type of thing, and then they provide trustee services. The alternative to that is to have an attorney trust, and if the um, attorney drafts the trust, then parents or siblings, uh, in other words, family members can be in charge or be trustees of the trust, and um, and then once the trust is funded, and the trust can be funded with um, any anything anyone wants to give to the trust, so parents can write a check to get the trust started. Um, we set up trust accounts for, for $500. It doesn't take all the money in the world to, to set up a trust account or to, to get that started. But first we get the trust, uh-huh. again, typically either pooled or attorney set up. Um, the, um, the attorney set up trust enables a family, again, to be in charge or to be the trustee. But once the trust is in place, then we set up a trust account. And then um, from the trust account, um, disbursements can be made to pay for things. And funds in a trust are invested. They don't sit there like a bump on the log. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, they're invested in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds or, or this type of thing so that they grow. And there can be a checkbook. There can be a debit card, um, ways to easily access funds that are in the trust to, uh, to pay for things. Um, and, um, goodness, we have trust beneficiaries that have maybe a half a dozen different family members that are periodically making deposits or, or putting funds into their trust to build it or grow it. We have small trusts, like I said, for 500 or or $1,000, and we have trusts that are funded into the millions of dollars. Um, but these resources do not count against them for government benefit eligibility, and this is so critical. We want to keep the government doing as much heavy lifting as possible in the food, shelter, and healthcare area. Uh, because otherwise, resources will will um, go for that, and there'll be there'll be nothing uh, else left. There'll there'll be no the rest of uh, the rest of things. So, um, so through uh, legislation passed in 1993, OBRA 93, the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 93, uh, special needs trust came about because there was a carve out in that legislation um, for resources to be set aside um, in a proper way. Um, and then for an individual to be eligible for Medicaid, uh, despite those resources being set aside. So with a special needs trust, um, unlike some of our seniors these days, if funds are placed into a special needs trust, there isn't a, a look back, there isn't a waiting period. Um, literally, mm-hmm. uh, a consumer can become eligible uh, for these benefits immediately. 
And so I, it's what I often refer to as as close as a special needs community as we're ever going to come to having our cake and eat it too. Special needs trusts are amazing. They are not limited to the wealthy. I want to make that point. Mm-hmm. Um, from one appointment or one family to the next, it may be a single mom living in Section 8 housing, surviving on Social Security food stamps and child support when it arrives, you know, and then the next family is concerned about federal estate taxes because they have so much money. Special needs knows no barriers, no boundaries, and our focus is on helping as many families as we possibly can, regardless of the circumstances uh, that they bring to us. And you're right. Disabilities have no boundaries. It can be any any individual from any family anywhere. So this is an excellent uh, bit of information for those individuals that uh, have a special need or, or someone that they wish to assist. Uh, so that's great. I want to step back just a little bit. What um, Can you just give us a real quick uh, idea of what the trustee responsibilities might be? Sure. So the trustee is... Uh, the person in charge of, they don't own it, but they are in charge of whatever is held by the trust. And so I'm often asked, well, what can a trust hold? And the answer is just about anything an individual can own or hold, the trust can. Mm -hmm. So certainly uh, money or financial accounts, such as um, bank savings or checking accounts, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, stocks, bonds, but it goes beyond that. A trust can own an automobile. It can own a condominium, a house, rental property, farmland. Um, So um, very broad what a special needs trust can hold. And this is really important because we never know for sure what grandparents may have or parents may have that they want to offer to help fund the trust um, out of uh, providing support for their loved one that has special needs. And so the great news is, is we do an assessment of what, you know, what assets exist or what, what parents have, that type of thing. But usually there's a way to get just about anything into a special needs trust. Um, we have uh, set up special needs trust to be literally funded with farmland that's rented out. And the uh, special needs trust upon the parent's death will own the farmland, the same as it could own rental property. Uh, the farmland being professionally managed, just like a rental property could have a a professional uh, property manager, this type of thing. The rents go into the trust and pay the bills for the individual with special needs. I just had a meeting, um, a Zoom meeting yesterday with someone from Florida, mm-hmm. and their um, this um, mother's daughter is in Evansville, just across the river from um, Owensboro, uh, Henderson, Kentucky, that type of thing. And uh, Florida is the original family home, but the daughter's up in Indiana and he'll be staying there because she has all of her benefits, her connections, et cetera. And, and so, uh, but the and mom's very concerned, of course, because uh, when something happens to her, then the daughter's daughter's up there and family's in Florida. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to, trying to plan for the daughter, but um, it, um, the, uh, so she wants to literally buy a condo uh, for the daughter. And, um, and so we were working through managing the resources and how to make the purchase and so forth. And while the trust could own the condominium, we, we decided uh, in this case, it would probably make sense for the mom to own the condominium and then leave it to the daughter's trust upon the mother's death. Mm-hmm. That would enable the daughter to utilize her uh, social security benefits to pay the mom rent um, for renting the condo while the mother is living. And then the mother had indicated she would accumulate this rent and, and turn around and, and uh, 
put it into uh, her daughter's trust. So it's just kind of working with what resources we have and options available. And, and I so enjoyed, as I say, solving the puzzle and um, and looking for solutions to give people peace of uh, peace of mind. It's it, you know I'm so thankful um, that this is my focus because helping people solve these kinds of problems brings a lot of joy. I I agree and appreciate that. It, it's uh, it is a very challenging uh, road. I mean, it's a very complicated uh, mix of the different components of working through the investments and working through mm-hmm. you know the social security limitations and the uh, savings uh, limitations that are out there. So I. Uh, you know, really encourage individuals if you have further interest in this type of special care need planning uh, to reach out to Gordon. Uh, he's got a particular uh, three-step process that's also part of his presentation that we are going to uh, leave on that note uh, that, you know, you can reach out to him for that purpose and uh, follow up for your families. But Gordon, I also want to just share with everybody that we've done, this is actually the third part of our series, and we've talked previously about government benefits and Social Security, and then we've also talked about the ABLE Act and guardianship. So for any individuals that are just catching this broadcast, feel free to go back and look to the other uh, series that have been launched. And then also after viewing, feel free to, again, reach out to Gordon and or follow him on one of his webinars that he will give the entire presentation. So Gordon, is there anything, is there any particular takeaway that you'd like to close this session with uh, for the families or anyone that's listening today that has a, a interest in this? Uh, well, thanks so much, Melissa, for asking. And I think the takeaway would be uh, help is really good with this stuff, and and uh, help is as close as reaching out to us. There is never a charge for an email, a phone call, or even an initial meeting. And through that, we can figure out where you're at in your journey and what are some appropriate next steps um, and, and provide help. Again, help is really good. Please let us help you. And thanks so much for listening. All right, Gordon, thank you very much. And we will have uh, Gordon coming on again in a final part of his series about the legal and life care plan perspective. So, Gordon, thank you very much. Have a great day, and we will be speaking with you soon. All righty. Thank you, Melissa. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. To see upcoming guests, check us out at studioz.space.